Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. So I'm Tony, she's Cheryl, and we pastor, we started uh, LifeGate Church in a little town west of Atlanta. Uh, it's about 40 miles west of Atlanta, Georgia. It's called Villa Rica. It's about 14,000 people. And uh, God just really, we started it almost 15 years ago. God really just did, made our dream come true. And, you know, of course, if you'll just get on board with his dreams, and his dreams become your dreams, then it's a lot easier for him to come true. And, uh, and so it happened, you know, and our church grew and grew, and, and we actually, we represent over one-tenth of our city now. Our, our, our church in our little 14,000 town is over about 1,500 people or so, and and, uh, and and that's where we met Pastors Ben and Katie, is they actually came with their dream uh, to, do, to be assessed as whether or not they'd be good pastors, and that's where Cheryl and I met them and fell in love with them, and I think you got the best pastors in the world. Why don't you give your pastors a hand? The, uh, Cheryl and I have transitioned over the last year. We're no longer the senior pastors. Uh, we don't do most of the speaking anymore. Uh, Michael and Amy Adams, our daughter and son-in-law, are actually our, our senior pastors. And Cheryl and I are the oversight pastors. And we have several churches that we oversee. And uh, so we have the opportunity now to travel some and be with those churches. And, and uh, we were talking on the way over here this morning about our favorite ones. Where's the easiest place to minister? Where's the easiest, where's the ones that is tough? Sometimes you go to a place, it's like swimming up a molasses river, trying, uh, try, you know, trying to share the word with them. Is they're just resistant. But, but outside of our church, outside of our home church, you guys are the best church in the world. We, we just, you're the easiest church to come to. You're the most fun to hang out with. And you just love the word. So give yourselves a hand for being a great church. And I, I, uh, what I want to uh, share with you today real quickly, I just, I, I have thought for years, Pastor Ben, that we ought to put warning signs on sanctuaries that, you know, that says enter at your own risk. Uh, and because it's dangerous to walk into the presence of a holy God. It's dangerous that, it, that if we really are serious about, I'm going to encounter God today. If you go study the Bible, whenever anybody really encountered God, they fell as dead people. I mean, they, they, were, they were overwhelmed. There's about, there's about seven or eight occasions in the Bible where someone comes face-to-face -face with God, and, and, and they actually, they just fall as dead, and God always picks them up and says, hey, come on, you know, and he raises them up. And, and then Jesus made it where we can walk into the presence of God. He removed the veil. He removed the barrier so that we can actually experience the very presence of God. We did this morning already, and I second what Cheryl said Way to go, worship team, for, for leading us to the throne. Thank you very much. Good job. And, and it was just, it was easy to follow you. And so thank you very much. And, and, and I think worship is one of those dangerous things. It's fun, but it's dangerous. And, and so I just wanted to give you that disclaimer today before I get into the Word. Because I believe that God is going to meddle with you today. I believe He's going to, to do some things that you may not like. Uh, but that you will love if you'll let him do it. How many of you over the last year have encountered something that shook you? You were shaken by something that, that encountered in your life. And, and uh, those of those that were in the first service, they, they didn't raise their hand because they knew it was a setup. Here's what the Bible says, that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and that God will continue shaking 
until all that remains in us is what cannot be shaken. So the fact that I still have things or things that can happen in my life that will shake me, what those are indicative of, what those mean is there are areas in my life that I've refused to submit them to God. Because I'm still being shaken. Hey, you know, my kid misbehaves and it shakes me. And I'm not talking about it, it bothers you. I'm talking about it shook you and, and, and you couldn't sleep and, and it caused worry, it caused these things, you know, and you begin to try to take control. That, you know, we're shaken by things. We, we get worried, we get scared, we fear, we open the door to fear. And what those are are indicative of areas in our life that we are refusing to submit to God, that we're carrying them on our own. And until we submit them to God, we won't be whole. We'll still be shaken. And, he, and here's the thing. He says, all right, and until you do that, the shaking will continue. There'll continually be things come to shake. Why? Until nothing remains that can be shaken. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have troubles. That's, that's one of those promises that we don't put on our refrigerator. You know, quote every day, hey, Jesus said today, you're going to have troubles. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. He's saying that you can, you can begin to walk in a place where the troubles that you will have don't knock you off track, don't, you know, that actually people begin to look at you and say, you're going through the same thing I go through, but you go through it differently. Why? And then you got the gospel. You get to share the gospel with them. And so what I want to share with you today is this, is this thing of, that God wants to shake, shake us up, that God wants us to be shaken because God wants us whole and free. Jesus said in Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ set me free. He set me free. There's a big difference in free and loose. You know, I have a dog in my, in my back, and we have our back, backyard fenced in. Jake, the, the uh, uh, lab, yellow lab, he's a great dog and very obedient. But, you know, we have a fence in the backyard, and occasionally I will leave the gate open and, and we'll get a call from a neighbor. We'll be off somewhere, and they'll say, hey, Jake's out running around, you know, or they'll call if they don't. Like one guy didn't know how to get hold of me, so he called the church office. I get a call from the church, and they said, hey, your dog is off somewhere running through the hills. Jake wasn't free. He was loose. And see, there's a big difference. When he's in the backyard, he's free because he has boundaries that keep him safe. But he gets out of that fence he may think he's free, but now he's loose. And when you're loose, you can get run over, you can get kidnapped, you can get hurt. There's all kind of bad things that can happen to you when you're loose, when there are no boundaries on your life. All right? And say, but when he has boundaries, man, he can do whatever he wants to do as long as he stays in the boundary. That's really freedom. That's really freedom. And a lot of us, we get mixed up between what's loose and what's free. God did, Jesus didn't come to set you loose, he came to set you free. Okay, and so let's look at some of those things. And, and, and this year for, for Canvas Church, and I love the words that the Lord's giving you, and especially I talked to Pastor Ben about two and a half, three months ago, and he said, hey, I said, what's the word of the Lord for Canvas Church in 2018? Because that's one of the things I'm doing is uh, to asking pastors, what's the Lord saying? And it's interesting to hear pastors, and it's, it may, they may word it different, but the, almost always the Lord's saying the same thing all across the country. And, and ben, Pastor Ben said, dream again. Oh, man, that is a powerful word. That is so good to dream again. Because so many of us have quit dreaming. So many of us have, or either have shrunk our dreams. Is that we used to believe God could do anything. Now we can believe he can do some things. And, and, and so and God wants us to dream again. He wants us to make room for God to be God. And, 
And, and, and so I got thinking about it, and I, was, and, I, and, you know, and I was praying about what to teach because I don't want to just come and deliver a canned message. I wanted to deliver the word of the Lord for Canvas Church, and, which is what Pastor Ben and Katie asked us to do. And a, a few weeks ago, and he woke me up, and I had been mulling over several things, and he woke me up, and he said, this is what I want you to share at Canvas. And I called Pastor Ben and said, hey, this is what I believe the Lord's saying. He said, hey, yeah, great. And, and here's what I want. Here's the image the Lord gave me. I'm, when I'm, a, I'm a child of the 70s, so I liked fast cars that, that the tires would spin, you know. Like my son was, uh, Jeff was born in 80, is that right? 78. So when he was a teenager, it was, well, y'all could do the math. But anyway, in his age, there were no muscle cars anymore. And so, you know, they'd gather. I came out one time, and all of his buddies were gathered around a Mustang out in the parking lot, and they were all going, oh, man, and they had to, and they, you know, what was in it? What was in it? Well, in my age, that was you go look at the engine and how much horsepower in it. They were looking at how big the sound system was in it and how loud they could make it thump, you know. And and uh, and, and, and so one of the things I like to do was I like to spin my tires and create lots of smoke and see how far you can make a black mark up the road, you know, and and uh, until you got caught. And then and then, but but if you're a drag racer. In a drag race, you know, is where two cars line up on a straight track and they're going to go about a quarter of a mile and they're going to see who can get there first. And if you're a drag racer, one of the things you don't want to do is spin because while you're spinning, that other guy's heading down the track. And, and, and you know, this year your, your, your goal, the goal for Canvas Church is to, to love stronger, to live, I keep wanting to say live longer, uh, yes, live longer, uh, but live bigger move forward and dream again god wants that for you more than you want that for you and and but what happens with a lot of us is we have we start off the first of the year with these great intentions and we spend our spend the year spinning our wheels and by the end of the year we're really not much further down the track than we were at the begin and listen god wants at the end of 2018 for you to look back and go man we have we have loved stronger, we've lived bigger, we've moved forward, and we are dreaming again. God doesn't want you to look at the end of 2018 and go, we didn't make any more progress than we did in 2017, 2016, 2015. In your marriage, with your parenting, in your school, all those areas, God wants you to get some traction. And see, and I was talking to a guy after the first service, and he said, hey, I, I, I used to drag race. And he said, you know, I, I like spinning the wheels, but I got these tires that they'd only spin so long, and then they'd get softer, and they'd grab it so you'd jump and go, you know, big slicks. And, and that's what God wants for you this year. He wants you to get some traction on your dreams. He wants you to get some traction that will propel you forward. And see, here's the deal. If you get a, some traction, you become attractive. And all of a sudden now, there's opportunities for the gospel everywhere you go. Why? Because you're attractive. And I'm not talking about you just look good. I know you all are beautiful. But I'm talking about that people look at you and go, there's something different about you. Something different about you. And that's what the gospel needs today is they need some people who, who really will say, you know what? I'm okay with being different from the culture. I'm okay with being attracted to Jesus, way more attracted to Jesus than I am to the world. One of my concerns with the church in the U.S. is I see a lot of churches trying to be attractive to the culture. We aren't supposed, we aren't being made a, attractive as a bride for the culture. The Bible says we're being made attractive as the bride of Christ Himself. That I'm supposed to be drawing His attention more than I'm drawing anybody else. And here's what and He said, and if you'll lift me up then he will draw all men 
that way. It's just really cool thing. This biblical stuff works. It's amazing. It's amazing. Let's look at, so let's look at a couple of scriptures. Ecclesiastes 5.3 says, For dreams result from much work and a fool's voice from many words. Now, there's two accurate translations, two accurate interpretations of this verse. And if you'll go to Bible Gateway or version and just read it in multiple versions, you'll see both translations used in the different versions. And they're both accurate. One of the translations says that a dream comes when you start putting some activity to it. That's a difference in a dream and a wish. Wishers just wish. Well, I just wish I could lose weight, but you don't ever quit eating. Okay. Well, I just, you know, I just wish I could get some big old biceps, but you won't do any push-ups. You know, and, and, and we wish, we wish. I just wish I could have a great marriage, but you won't do anything about it. You just wish. Dreamers start putting activity to it, and it happens. Dreamers start doing their push-ups and say, well, I can only do five, but, you know, they keep on, keep on, keep on, and now they're up where they can do 150 push-ups, and everybody's going, hey, man, you got some nice guns there going on. And you know why? Because they they no longer are wishing they had the guns. They got a gun show. Why? Because they're not, they're dreamers. Okay? You get it? And so a dreamer, if you, and so God's saying dream again, and that means, all right, then there's going to be some activity required for the dream to come about. But the other translation of the verse is this, with much busyness comes bad dreams. And what that's saying is basically, if all you're ever doing is spinning your wheels, you're busy, but you're not accomplishing anything, you feel like all you're doing is running in circles, you're going to stay up at night, and when you do sleep, it's going to be restless sleep, and you'll probably have bad dreams. And so those, both of those, and all, both of those are about the difference in, is your dream getting any traction, or is your dream not getting traction and or distraction? Now, let's look at this next verse, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32 through 35. It says, I, I want you to live as free of complications as possible. Wow. I'm just going to tell you, I, I'm, I'm, I'll be 60. Am I 61 already? Not yet. I'll be 61 this year. You sure? No, I'll be 62 this year. Yes. 2018. I've missed a whole year. I've lost a year of my life. <laughs> and the older I get, the more I want things simple. And the more I look back and I go, man, that's complicated. And, and, and one of the things, you know, as pastor, one of the things we would always, we do a lot of counseling. And one of the things I watch is I just watch complicated lives. I think, man, you, your life is so complicated. No wonder you don't have a good life. It's so complicated. My brother, my younger brother, who's gone on to heaven now, uh, was a drug addict all of his life. He, from the time 16 years old in high school until he died at 54, he was a meth addict. Uh, and, and he would go through spells where he'd try to get straight and different things and, and uh, just watched it ruin his life. But one time he was trying to get straight and we were talking and he was hanging out with me and and I just told him, I said, Mike, you work harder at not working than I have ever worked at a job. It's just, it's so complicated the way you have to get up every day and start figuring out how to unwind, how to make it through your complicated life. I said, no wonder you're always in pain and no wonder you feel like you got this hole and no wonder you're self-medicating this is because you're just so complicated. And if you just get simple, and, and, and I'll tell you what I've learned. Here's my, 
Here's how I live life now. I'm going to honor God, and I'm going to honor her. And, and so if somebody says, hey, you want to do this? I say, well, let's see. Does it honor God? Yes. Does it honor her? Yes. Oh, yeah, we'll do that. But if the answer to either one of those is no, then I go, no, I don't do that. It's not going to honor him. It's not going to honor her. Then I just don't want to participate. Man, that's just so simple. It's so easy. I watch people with, with their lives, and you say, well, how do you decide if you're going to do this or not? You know, and you start listening to their 30 questions they go through or their decision process, and you go, man, you're just wearing me out. How do you do that? And God, listen to what he says. He said, I want you to live as free of complications as possible. I'm trying to be helpful and make it as easy as possible for you, not make things harder. All I want for you is to be able to develop a way of life in which you can spend, oh, I want you to listen to this. This is music. In which you can spend plenty of time together with the master without a lot of distractions. I'm just going to tell you, if, if Jesus is your Lord, that ought to be your heart saying. It's just think about a life where I'm spending lots of time with him, with no distractions, just un, uninterrupted, non-undistracted time with Jesus. How many of you know your life would be better? Even the bad times of your life would be better if you if, if it was just hanging out with Jesus. Well, listen, ask the disciples as they went through storms, it was better when Jesus was in the boat. Okay? And and so he's saying it. And so what he's saying there is this distraction. So we're going to talk about dreams. Your dreams can either get traction or they can get distraction. Distraction means you can't get traction. And say what that's the whole goal. If you'll understand this thing about distractions that we're allowing into our life, they're there to do what? To keep us from getting traction on the simple and great life God wants us to have. And so the, I, I just want to share, there's lots of things that the Bible says are distractions. But real quick, I just want to tell you, I think, three biggies that are going to stop you from having a great life. Three things that if you entertain these things this year, you're still going to have a lot of shaking going on. And you're still going to have, and at the end of the year, you're going to look at your life and go, you know what? Our marriage isn't much further than it was when we started the year. Our church life isn't much further than it was when we started the year, if at all. And a lot of people even back up. And those three things are distractions, secrets, and pride. Distractions, secrets, and pride. All, uh, excuse me, discipline, a lack of discipline, secrets, and pride. And all three of those are distraction. They'll cause you to sit on the starting line, spinning your wheels all year, and never get anywhere. A lack of discipline, secrets, and pride. And let's just, let's just talk about that first one, a lack of discipline. Lack of discipline, you know, is the, this is the area that God says, hey, I give you grace. This is the area you got to step up. This is the area where you got to make the choice to pursue me where you've got to make the choice to live a disciplined life. It don't matter how long you've been loving on Jesus and how long you've been walking with Jesus, you still got to make a choice every day to pick the Bible up and read it. you still got to make a choice to, to saturate your life with worship music rather than my life is oversaturated with all the other music. You still have to make a cognizant choice. I have to make a cognizant choice to honor her. I have to be disciplined in my relationship. We'll be married... 43 years? We don't even know. 43 years. We're so old we don't even know. 43 years this December we'll be married. And, and, but that requires, listen, how many of you are married? Anybody married? How many of you, and, and listen, just go ahead, let's be honest. How many of you would say marriage sometimes is hard? Sometimes 
that there is no such thing. There's no such thing as an easy marriage. You know, you stand there at that vow, you know, you're taking those vows and you have it, you know, you, today you're spending $180,000 on a wedding and you stand there and you've already made it complicated. And the, <laughs> uh, but, the, but you say those vows and you head off. And, I mean, it gets complicated before you get to the honeymoon bed. You know, I mean, it just starts getting complicated. Marriage requires discipline. Great marriages don't just happen. Great marriages require discipline. Great lives don't just happen. Great lives require discipline. I have to, have, I have to be disciplined to be a giver. A couple of years ago, the Lord challenged me. I mean, we're like Pastor B and Katie. We give online. And I was reading the Scripture, and the Lord said, what do you do with that Scripture where it says, don't come before me empty-handed? And I said, well, we give online. He said, I'm not asking you about how much you give. I'm asking you about the principle there that it's talking about is that you never come before me without something in your hands. And I, I loved what you did with your cards, you know. But the Lord just told me, he says, hey, anytime anybody's taking an offering, I don't care if it's a dollar or 20 cents, you put something, you make sure you be intentional about coming prepared to honor me. I thought, whoa, there's a principle there. He said, it's a discipline principle. You need to be prepared to honor me. It don't just happen. You need to be prepared. One of the areas that we're most undisciplined in is our mouths with the things we say. Last year we were here, and there were people here last year who loved this church, loved their pastors, loved each other, couldn't believe, believe that Canva, that God had brought them to Canvas and that they were going to see history made here, that they actually believed in what I believe is, is biblical, is that they actually believed that they were on mission in the community they were in, and this is the mission place that God had sent them, and that Canvas is here to be a gatekeeper of this community, and the people in this community ought to be flocking to this church because you're making it so attractive, because you're so different, and they were buying into that, and this year not here some of them are gone and you know what most of them aren't even in church and you know what happened they got undisciplined in what they listened to and what they said it's always i've been pastoring for 30 years and every church is the same the, the people that you that, that will tell you in one in one month man my life is so changed because of what god's done at this church and then two months later they're gone wait a minute i thought this thing was changing your life we have a Pastor, Pastor Joe, Pastor Tony, Pastor Ben offended me. I'm just going to tell you something. If you agree with everything that pastor says, you may be in a cult. And if you find yourself going through about two years of agreeing with everything he says, you need to call him up every now and then and say, hey, I need you to offend me today because I'm a little worried about the cult thing going on. <laughs> okay? It's just, you get what I'm saying? And see, because they have a lack of discipline in what they're listening to and what they're saying, I'll tell you two areas you've got to especially be disciplined in is the two things that God loves most in this world. He loves His church and He loves people. And don't allow negative things to come in about the church, the local church, or the church as a whole, or about people. Just be a person who says, I'm disciplined in that area. I'm free in that area. That's, i got boundaries around my life, and I just don't listen to that stuff, and I don't talk that stuff. I am here on mission, and I'm going to live it out because I'm a disciplined person. And you'll watch, you'll get traction in your life. Why? Because God wants you to succeed. You can, why? Because you're going to be a blessing to the kingdom. Second area, second area is secrets. I think this is one of the biggest ones. And, 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 you know, all of us have secrets, and it's funny to me how we, we believe that God knows everything, but we also believe we have secrets from Him. As long as I don't admit it or talk to Him or 
look away during the worship or certain times, you know. Or what we do, most time when we have a secret we're trying to keep from God is we start withdrawing from. Withdrawing from the Word, withdrawing from other believers, withdrawing from, from our church. When I look, well, I, I got something I just... And that's what secrets do. Secrets, secrets put chains and bars on your life. Secrets will tell you where you can go and who you can be around to protect the secret. Because, hey, if, if i got a secret, let, let's say that I'm dishonoring Cheryl. Well, I know I can't hang around with Ben and Brandon. Why? Because they know me, and they'll know there's something, di- they'll, they'll know there's something different, and they'll go, hey, there's something changed in the way you talk and look at women. And that's not honoring your wife. Well, if I want to protect that secret, I just, what I got to do? I got to make sure they're not in my life. They're out of my circle anymore. Because I got to protect the secret. The secrets become more important. And, and, and see, we, my mom and dad made me go to church. They were, uh, they were leaders in our church. And then they retired and they moved off and they got away from church and they got away from believers. And they started hanging out with people who, who uh, and they started drinking a lot. I mean, I'd, I'd notice I'd call my dad up at night, and, and he'd be slurring. And this was not—I mean, this was my dad. You know, out of all of our family, he was the sober one. And now, as things were changed, and and uh, and then my mom got really sick, and she was dying, and the hospital couldn't figure out why they couldn't help her. And Cheryl was in the room with her, and the nurse came in, and and, and the nurse said, "We just can't figure out why we can't stop this tailspin she's on." And and Cheryl said. Did they tell you that they drink? And she go, and the nurse goes, no, they said they don't drink. Cheryl says, oh, no, they drink heavy. And the nurse said, oh, well, this is DTs. She's going through DTs. And they immediately were able to help her and turn her around. But her secret was about to kill her. Her secret was about to kill her. And I'll ask you a question. If you died today and everything about you came out, what is, what is going on in your life that you wish would not come out? And here's what Jesus said that nothing that is secret will remain a secret, but that it will all be shouted from the rooftop. And I've seen it time after time. And here's the deal. You get to choose who shouts it from the rooftop. And if you, if you wait and let the devil shout your secret from the rooftop, he'll shout it to destroy you. But if you'll, if you'll take it to God, then you won't care how it gets shouted and where it gets shouted from because God will make you whole. God will make you whole. I had a friend who was a mentor. He's well-known in the nation, and, and he, he was one of our mentors. He's one of the greatest, most famous pastors in the nation at that time. And he started doing drugs and had a homosexual affair, and, it became, and he was publicly exposed, very publicly on national television. It was horrible. Several months later, one of our mutual friends asked him, how would you do that? And he said, hey, I'm tired of talking to people about how I did that. And he said, no, no, I'm not talking about how you did it, how you did the acts. How did you go from a guy so in love with God to a guy that could do that. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, well, I quit reading the Bible, and I quit hanging out with people who love the Word of God. And he said, then it was easy to do. And you got secrets. We all got secrets. Some, some of you, as I was preparing this morning, Holy Spirit said, there, there are some of you who your whole relationship with God is a lie. And it, you come to church, and you sit here, and you go, it's nothing to you. It's like you've just become dead to it. And you don't read the Bible anymore, because, and you used to read it a lot. And you don't read the Bible anymore because you just go, I just don't get anything out of it anymore. Yes, you, you know, that's a lie. It's, it's all that's happening is your heart is getting hardened, 
And the word, only the Bible will reawaken that. Only the Word of God Himself, Jesus, will reawaken that in you. You can't just pull away. You gotta. And where do you take that? And I'll tell you something. Here's a little tip about sharing your secrets. Don't share. Go just go go run share your secrets with people. I had a friend one time, and an old pastor told him. He said, "Hey, if you're gonna share your secrets, share them with the Lord and share them with a the rabbit. Then shoot the rabbit and eat him." Share your secrets with God and, and, and allow Him to heal you and make you whole. Then you won't care who knows your secrets anymore. See, here's the problem. We go, we share our secrets with the hope of getting approval. I'm going to share my secret with you, but you better approve me. And I'm just going to tell you something. God will accept you, but He won't always approve. There are things in my life. And see, we've, we've changed the definition of love into approval. Love, love doesn't necessarily mean I approve. Acceptance. You know, love accepts, but love doesn't approve everything. God doesn't approve of I don't care. I could ask Pastor Ben, who's one of the holiest guys I know. I guarantee you he would say there's, there's some, something he's done in the last year God didn't approve of him. And, and, uh, and, and, and you ought to have a place in your life where God can say, hey, I don't approve that. And if you think you're going to... The only way I'm going to take my secret to God is if He approves. I want you to get this. God is way more interested in you being whole and healed than He is in you being happy and approved. And the only way you're going to get healed and whole is if you go to Him and say, here's my secret. What do you say about it? What do you say about it? Will you heal me? And He'll begin the process. He'll begin the process of, of healing you. And the last area is pride. And pride, here's what pride will do. Pride will tell you that you are disciplined and that your secrets are okay. Pride will tell you there's nothing the Holy Spirit has said here today that you needed. Pride will tell you everything's okay. The Bible says that, that your own heart will deceive you. That your own heart will lie to you. I used to play football, and, and, I, and I was, again, one of the, in my day, you know, they didn't call it, you know, if you were, if you were fat, uh, they had the, the politically correct term for young guys that were fat, is you go by, you know, you didn't go by like uh, blue jeans that were in, they didn't have a fat size, they had husky. And if you were a husky, that meant you were going to be a lineman. And so I was a husky lineman, okay. It's another thing about pants. I was noticing the other day, I was somewhere, and they had this thing, they had these pants uh, that were called Extra Large Slim. I said, that's an oxymoron. You're either extra large or you're slim, but you can't be Extra Large Slim. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so uh, I was a lineman, and, you go, and they taught you to get down in your three-point stance, offensive lineman, so you get down, and the guy across from you was your enemy. He was your enemy. My job was to knock him down, get him out of the way, make sure he did not interfere with the plans. And, and there's this verse in 1 Peter 5, 5. Let's look at this verse. It says, And all of you dress yourselves in humility. There it is again. Notice he didn't say you're just automatically clothed in humility. This is a cognizant, disciplined choice of I will dress myself in humility. When I was, I used to be a worship leader, and and uh, 
can't even believe it that I did it, but I, I did it. And uh, uh, we we used to sing a lot of scripture songs. This is way back in the day, and so we sang this song. Uh, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and you would echo, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he and he will lift, will lift you up. That's how we would sing the song. And I was I was getting ready to sing that song one day. It's a scripture, by the way. It's in the scripture. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And the Holy Spirit said to me, and if you do God's job, he'll do your job. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, what's your job in that verse? Well, to humble myself in the sight of the Lord. And what's God's job? To lift you up. But if you if you do God's job, if you lift yourself up, guess what he'll do? He'll do your job. He'll make sure you get humbled. <laughs> okay. I thought, Woo, that's a good life lesson right there. Okay. And, uh, and so he says, so clothe yourselves with humility. I gave, I gave a book, a friend of mine, uh, she's one. Of, she's one of our worship leaders. I gave her a book. She said, "Hey, I need a book that'll really wreck my life." And it's, it's, I said, "I'm gonna give you the book that, outside of the Bible, has changed my life more than any other book in the world. It is the best book I've ever read. It's called Holiness, Truth, and the Presence of God by Francis Frangipane. And uh, it's not light reading. It's one of those that, if unless you're serious about a relationship with God, don't read it. Okay? And I mean, it's just amazing. So she started reading it, and so I saw her the next week. And I said, "Okay, how's it going?" with the book, and she said, well, I, I blew through the first part of it. It was all about humility, and I got that nailed. <laughs> and when she said it, you could just see it dawning on her face. And before I could even say anything, she goes, I think I'll go back and read that section again. <laughs> so, but uh, he says, and, cl- and dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's a bad day when you line up in your three-point stance and you look up and the guy on the other side is God himself. You Listen, here's the deal. He didn't change sides. You changed sides. He's on your side. You just got on the wrong side. It's like when, the, when Jesus appears to Joshua and he's dressed. All Joshua had seen Jesus as is this, my, this kind shepherd and gentle shepherd, and all of a sudden he sees this warrior dressed in the, out in the wilderness and he says who are you and what are you and, and, and what are you and whose side are you on and he gives him this great answer he says the better question is he said I am the Lord of the I am the master of the Lord's armies and the better question is whose side are you on because this guy's going to win which side are you on and, and he was saying to him make sure you always choose the winning side and, and see, it's a bad day when you get up out of the bed and you get in your three-point stance. You've got enough enemies in this life without looking across the line and there's God himself opposing you. You're not going to win. And too many of our lives have no traction in them because God's on the other side. And it's because we think we're okay and we think our secrets are okay and we think and we got our heart telling us everything's cool. And it requires some humility. Let me give you four words that will help you be humble. You might be right. Guys, next time you're driving somewhere and your wife tells you you're taking the wrong way, which you are always, any, any way you choose. Have you ever noticed that you can get in the car with her and you can start down the road and you'll, try, and you'll go the way she wanted you to go last time and she'll say then, you're going the wrong way. And that's why all the voices on the GPSs are females. Because we're so used to them telling us, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> okay? And so you just well, you just look at them and go, you might be right. You might be right. It's just, this, it, it doesn't say they are right. 
the saying, you might be right. When we get to heaven, we'll figure it out. But I'm not going to fight about it. Okay, understand this whole thing about humility. It's all about getting traction. It's all about God wants you to have a great life this year. God wants you to dream again. He don't want you to sit here in January spinning your wheels all the way till next January. He wants you and Canvas Church to be somewhere you're not at right now by the end of this year. Some way, way down the road, much better than you ever dreamed. What is he able to do? Above and beyond anything you can ask or dream. It requires us to start dreaming again. And it requires those dreams require us to make sure we're getting some traction on them. Everybody agree? Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.